Welcome to another episode of Unscripted, and I have the great pleasure to introduce Christopher Lehman, the executive and CEO for Safeguard Cyber. How are you, Chris? I'm fantastic, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, and you have a busy schedule. You're currently uh, on the go traveling, and I do very much appreciate having the time to, to chat with me today. But before we get started, just to ease ourselves into it, you have an extensive background in tech and in cyber. Just for the people that are not familiar with what you've done so far, uh, do you mind just walking us through memory lane? Yeah, sure. Well, so I've been in technology and, and uh, technology sales for coming up on 25 years now. And, you know, I've had a, an opportunity to work with what I believe are some of the, the uh, most successful and, and world-class technology organizations in the world. Um, companies like EMC, companies like uh, Salesforce. Uh, and uh, after spending a lot of time uh, and, a, and a, a lot of years helping companies manage data and manage content uh, effectively, um, back in 2014, I had an opportunity to uh, uh, join up with somebody who's been a mentor of mine for uh, my entire career, Dave DeWalt. And for uh, David, you may uh, know who Dave is. Some of your listeners may not, but Dave was the CEO of a company called Documentum, where we originally met, then went on to become the CEO of uh, McAfee. And uh, after McAfee, he uh, became the CEO at FireEye. And uh, I was looking to uh, for a new opportunity, and uh, the team at FireEye had reached out, and I had a chance to reconnect with with Dave and uh, spend a number of years at, at FireEye. Um, and then uh, I left uh, FireEye uh, in the 2017 time period and went to work for a company called ExtraHop, who is uh, in the network detection and response space. And we sold that business uh, last year successfully. Um, it was a $900 million sale of the company. And uh, I was running the uh, sales organization there. And uh, I was then, after we uh, had sold that business to Bain, uh, I was looking for my next opportunity, had a connect, an opportunity to connect with Dave. Uh, actually, it was at Black Hat in uh, 2021 in Las Vegas. And he told me about this great company uh, where uh, it was a part of one of his portfolio businesses. So Dave, after being the CEO at FireEye, started a, a, a venture capital investment firm called Night Dragon. And they focus exclusively on cybersecurity businesses. And Dave told me about this business that he said, look, it's got great technology. It's got this great kind of market opportunity where they're solving a, a really big problem. Um, and they're looking for a new CEO. And he kind of tapped me to, uh, to play that role for him at, at Safeguard. And uh, I joined here about a year ago. Yeah, what an amazing journey. Do you sometimes feel that all this stuff that you've done so far, like all those experiences were kind of led you to the kind of perfect positioning to take kind of the next step in the journey? I, absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, it's maybe, you know, it's a little cliche, but, you know, you hear people say, well, I feel like you know, all my life I've been preparing for this moment, right? And not to be dramatic about it, but 
you know, I think that in any career, you hopefully um, are, are, are learning new skills and getting new experiences at every step in your career, regardless of whether you're at the beginning, middle or end of your career, and regardless of the kind of company you're working for. And um, one of the things that I, I've always tried to be a student of the game uh, when it comes to my profession and really understanding, well, what makes great companies um, and why is it that some companies are wildly successful and other companies struggle? And I think that companies that are world class um, do certain things exceptionally well. And, you know, uh, doing little things like very clearly articulating and understanding the problem that you're solving for your customers and what your value proposition is. You know, it all starts with that vision. And then after really developing uh, a vision and providing a compelling value proposition for customers uh, and the market, it's then all about executing, right? And making sure you've got great people who are on your team, who are thinking about the problems that the market is trying to solve uh, and uh, then just working a little bit harder than anybody else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I was able to take learnings and knowledge at uh, every company where I worked uh, and, you know, trying to apply that to, to safeguard cyber. And Christopher, this is the kind of the first time that you are a chief executive officer. So, I mean, you, you've held various senior roles in, in the majority of the companies you were, you were, you know, in your past, mm -hmm. but this time, this is the top role. Mm-hmm. Did uh, when you took on a, you know, you always say, hey, you know, get hired for the, you know, for the job they they want, not the job they had. Yeah. And David DeWall obviously did just that. Do you find there's any any particular nuances or, you know, what was the first, you know, first sixty days were like? Did you feel any different? I know the chief revenue officer typically is responsible for a lot of moving parts in an organization, and in and it's a, you know, it's a make or break role, right? So nothing happens until somebody sells something, but a chief executive officer has that plus, plus, plus. Well, yeah, I, I you know, I've had to, um, I'm a career sales leader, you know, who in the last year moved into the, the CEO role. And obviously just your purview uh, and scope of responsibility is much broader. As a sales leader, you're responsible for um, uh, managing and executing the go-to-market um, and go to market is obviously a, a huge, huge part of successful businesses. And I've got a ton of experience there. Um, but the other really important part of the, the business is the vision and the technology. Um, you know, you need to have uh, all three parts. You've got to have great vision. You've got to have great product and you've got to have great go to market. And the uh, opportunity at Safeguard Cyber, it's a, a company that, really has strong foundational technology uh, and uh, the area where it needed the most work was really refining the the vision and the go-to-market execution and that's why you know i think dave felt like it was a good fit for me and i felt like it was a good fit for me because i could apply my experience in developing world-class go-to-markets and sales teams uh, and uh, apply that to a business which has this massive market opportunity. Uh, and that's what I've really been focused on. You know, I, I focus on all aspects of the business, obviously, 
and that's my job as a CEO. But you know, job one was to when I came into the business, really refine the vision and better articulate the value proposition for the business to to the market. So Christopher, let's let's uh, let's talk a bit about the problem you're solving. This somebody is always saying, hey, you know, you, you better if you're tackling a problem, it better be a l very large problem, you know, worth solving. And you you mentioned specifically a market opportunity. Would you be able to describe very quickly in a nutshell what what is the main problem for Safe Cyber that solves you know solves to its customers? In how did that originate? Why are we there? Why isn't has no one ever solved this problem before? Yeah, great great question. So you know the the, the very brief answer, and then I want to give you uh, some more insight into what we're doing. Very brief answer is that we provide security and compliance solutions for uh, enterprises. Uh, communication channels, regardless of where uh, that communication is occurring, whether it's in email or in a collaboration platform like a Slack or a Teams or a messaging application like WhatsApp or Telegram, social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And really what Safeguard Cyber is all about is addressing uh, what we call um, truth, truths and, you know, there's, there's, truth, trends, and threats that the enterprise is facing today. And some of the big trends and fundamental truths that organizations and security teams really need to recognize um, are the fact that number one, human beings are always gonna be the most vulnerable elements or weakest element in any security strategy, right? Um, you know, we are trusting by nature, you know, human beings. And the human eye uh, literally cannot detect a lot of the attacks that they uh, that are, are targeted against them. You know, it really doesn't matter how much training we do of our employees and of human beings. They're simply not going to be able to identify some of the threats that they face uh, on a day to day basis. And the data really backs this up, David, and I'm sure you know, you know this. 82% of all breaches that occurred last year were the result of the exploitation of the human in one way, shape, or form or another. That's according to the Verizon breach report, right? And we don't see that changing. We think, you know, education is, you know, very, very important in a, in a security strategy for an enterprise. But like I said, it doesn't matter how much training you do, um, you know, the sophistication that uh, attackers have are going to enable them to hide uh, behind messages and communications that um, the, the the victim and the target just aren't going to be able to see or notice. So you know, the the I want to okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, so I want know, to just double click on that specifically because it's so important. Eighty-two percent. You know, I think we had to like almost like pause for like twenty seconds to let his people sink in what the impact is. And it's and you and you mentioned it's not changing because human nature is not changing. We are you know product of evolutionary uh, development over millions of years, and and we want to be helpful. That's right. You know if and if you have some stories related because you have you're exposed to a lot of your customer facing as well. So would you mind just describing maybe uh, maybe scrubbing some of the details so people you know because you can, you gave the high level statistics. What was it? What does it boil down to? Give me an example of something that happened that you know basically 
uh, describes that in more details and gives people some context. Well, so I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right to that because it's a great question. <laughs> but I think it's important to talk about, like I said, you know, there's fundamental truths, there's these mega trends, and then there's the threats that we're facing. And this is what we've based the business on. So, you know, fundamental truth, number one, that everybody needs to recognize. And to your point, we need to let it sink in. 82% of all breaches are the result of the exploitation of human vulnerabilities, right? And that's number one. Number two, the way we communicate has changed dramatically over the last decade, right? And it was really with the popularity of uh, the smartphone, right? And the popularity of uh, uh, cloud-based communication channels. It's no longer just about email, right? Um, we know that 45%, another statistic, 45% of all business communication now takes place outside of email. It's happening in collaboration applications like a Teams or like a Slack. It's happening in uh, messaging apps like WhatsApp and Telegram. It's happening in social channels like LinkedIn, right? There's a, a brand new world out there in terms of the way we communicate. And this is uh, a trend that, again, we don't see abating. We think that we are going to continue to evolve and find new ways to communicate. Businesses want to be agile. They want to meet their customers where they are and engage with those customers and prospects in a way that the customer and prospect wants to communicate. And that means embracing these new communication channels. All right. But when you combine the fact that human beings are vulnerable with the fact that the way they're communicating has changed, it's created this recipe and massive vulnerability and security gap that security organizations really have not addressed just yet. They've invested a ton of time, money, resource in making email more secure. And despite that, you know, we know that uh, a, a lot of people are still falling victim to, you know, phishing attacks and impersonation um, in email. But you need to then step back and recognize that a security team can't just focus on securing email. You got to focus on all the other ways that your employees are communicating. And this leads to the last point and to get back to your question around, you know, specific examples. The tactics that attackers are using today have also evolved, right? And increasingly, they're using social engineering attacks. They're using language-based attacks to target uh, and, you know, uh, and, and gain access to information that they want to, uh, that they want to gain access to. And by and large, security teams have not adjusted to this new reality. Um, so you think about, uh, and, and by the way, traditional security technologies aren't designed to detect these language-based attacks, these social engineering attacks. And two very recent examples of this um, are uh, the Uber breach and the Take-Two breach uh, that occurred. Uh, this is uh, about uh, two or three months ago now. And in both instances, the attacker used social engineering uh, as a tactic, and they uh, executed the attack in alternative communication channels like WhatsApp. You know, and what we've seen in the security world, we're all familiar with the concept of a low and slow attack, where the attacker is, is starting off in one place and then, you know, very slowly moving laterally until they identify a vulnerability 
or, or a victim and target uh, that they can, uh, you know, basically compromise and then gain access to information, you know, do damage, steal information, hold the, the, the target victim, uh, or excuse me, hold the target hostage for a ransomware. But the concept of low and slow attacks don't just occur across infrastructure and applications. They happen across communication channels. And in the case of Uber and in Take Two, and again, Take Two, for uh, those of you in the audience who may not be familiar with them, they're the owners of the and the producers of the Grand Theft Auto um, uh, a gaming franchise, one of the most popular gaming franchises in the world, multi, multi-billion dollar um, uh, business. Um, and the attacker basically started off the attack by uh, doing impersonation and using social engineering in WhatsApp. And once they uh, were able to uh, basically gain the trust and access to the user, they used that impersonation to um, you know, get the individual to move the conversation to other parts and other applications like Slack and Teams. And then from there, they were able to collect information and then eventually uh, they were able to gain access to the networks of those companies and exfiltrate data. In the, came, in the case of Take-Two and the Grand Theft Auto um, uh, breach, the uh, attacker was basically publishing uh, uh, news and uh, providing video and, and clips about what the new release of Grand Theft Auto was going to look like. And that may not seem like a big deal, but for a, a billion dollar franchise um, to have the new release of their product uh, go to market before it was ready um, can do significant damage to the, to the financial success of the ultimate release of the, uh, of the, of the product uh, when it was ready. So, I mean, those are, are two recent examples where social engineering was used. Uh, they leveraged alternative communication channels to gain access uh, and uh, compromise uh, their target and then ultimately gain access to the network and information and do exfiltration. You know, there's huge brand damage uh, and, and costs associated to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the kind of uh, problems that we're helping organizations solve. Yeah, and if anything, the the folks today, the way they communicate – Right. It's it's like a multi-channel approach. So you can start having a conversation with someone, um, you know, over Slack, you move to WhatsApp, you, then you move to text, especially the, you know, kind of the younger, younger generation. They do not care what platform you're using. So it's almost uh, the issue is even exaggerated because because you don't know where where the communications are going to go next. And so you have to have have the ability to monitor all of those. And you are using uh, something that's called natural language understanding is part of your process to, to protect organization. If you don't mind, can you provide like a 30-second primer of what that is and how is that important for, uh, you know, for the protection of organization from this attack vector? Sure. Well, first, you know, there's there's really three things that uh, I would want your audience to understand about Safeguard Cyber in terms of what we're doing. And I'll, I'll talk about natural language understanding and what we call contextual analysis. But, you know, your point about 
communications occurring across multiple channels, um, the first thing that we do is to provide unified visibility. So provide one pane of glass to gain visibility into all of these different communication channels that the employee is using. And, you know, I'm a big believer that you can't secure what you can't see. So security, you know, really needs to start with visibility. And what we do is provide unified visibility into all these channels. So that's number one. Number two, it's this concept of what we call contextual analysis. And contextual analysis is what enables us to detect threats that the traditional security technology misses. Um, these are uh, language-based attacks, social engineering attacks, where there's not necessarily any delivery of malware. There's no malicious file. There's no malicious link. They're using tactics like impersonation, urgency, deception uh, in the communication to convince their target to do something that they shouldn't. It might be uh, a password reset. It might be, you know, providing and, and moving a conversation to an unsecure channel where malware could be delivered. Um, and what we do, yeah, go ahead. And, and one thing I mentioned, you, again, double-clicking what you just described, it, this is how it happens, right? The You mentioned sense of urgency. So you're an executive, you're on your way on vacation, the kids are screaming in the background, and all of a sudden you get a text that looks like it's coming from one of your you know, colleagues asking you for a password for, you know, for a, a you know, like a privileged uh, system. And you have two things, right? The sense of urgency and then the chaos in the background that throws you off. You just want to deal with it and move on. And this is this is the perfect moment, the perfect storm of, of what you just described. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, that is, um, you know, so oftentimes what we'll see, if you think about the kill chain, right, um, the kill chain and where the attack starts is happening much, much earlier than organizations realize. Oftentimes, for example, there'll be uh, some reconnaissance that's occurring via a connection or communication on a channel like LinkedIn, right? Um, a lot of business communication now takes place via LinkedIn and, you know, uh, direct messages uh, that occur on that platform. So oftentimes an attacker will start to do reconnaissance, right, where they're gathering information about the ultimate target. Um, they'll befriend and connect the with the individual on LinkedIn. Maybe there's some communication there and it's creating a sense of familiarity uh, with the with the target. Right. But then, and by the way, we know that LinkedIn is the, uh, uh, the, the channel where the most spoofing, uh, it's the most spoof brand in the world right now. Uh, and so there's spoofing that's occurring there. There's impersonation that's occurring there. Um, organizations don't have any controls in place to detect when that's occurring. So, but that's where the attacker is, is it's a channel they're using to gain trust, gain access, gain information. They'll then move that communication to a place like email, or they'll move that communication after they've already you know, initiated it in LinkedIn, they'll move to email or they'll move to a collaboration channel. And maybe the way that they've gotten access to that collaboration channel is through stolen credentials. And uh, through, you know, they've, they've harvested users' credentials, they now have access to 
uh, a place like WhatsApp or Telegram or Slack or Teams or email, and they'll initiate a further conversation. Maybe they'll make reference to the communication uh, and, and where it started originally in LinkedIn. So they're gradually gaining trust, right? And then in that moment of weakness, right, they'll uh, ask for the conversation to move to a different channel, which most organizations don't have secure, um, you know, like a, like a Teams or Slack or WhatsApp or a Telegram. And then that's when they'll deliver a malicious file or malicious link, or they'll ask them to go to, uh, you know, a, a new website or location um, that's not being monitored. And, you know, this is the gradual kind of low and slow communication-based attack and social engineering attack that we see all the time. Um, and, but to your point, David, you know, it's, it's uh, gaining the trust of the, of the victim and then, uh, you know, gradually uh, escalating your privilege and access to information via the, uh, the initial connection. And, you know, part of what we try and do for organizations is help them identify when that attack is occurring much, much earlier, prior to any kind of malware being delivered. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, why does the context so important? And how does, you know, Safeguard um, looks at it? Because it's not enough to, for you to monitor the channels. The context is super important, and I'm assuming you you harness a lot of you know. There's a lot of backend magic that happens within the data centers for 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 you know for the company just to realize what is the conversation about, and and then sift through like you know, the noise through uh, you know signal ratio to figure out what out of all those conversation what is malicious. Sure. Well, so this is where natural language processing and natural language understanding comes in. If you think about traditional um, approaches for security of communication channels, they rely primarily on um, things like the uh, the SEG, right? Uh, the Secure Email Gateway, where, where they're using maybe some kind of DMARC uh, or they're using uh, keyword search and identification, but they're very, very kind of crude, not sophisticated approaches to securing messages. And then you've got um, behavioral analysis-based technologies, which are really looking for uh, deviations from normal behavior. And the way they're doing that is by analyzing and looking for, uh, uh, you know, uh, deviations in the metadata. So the time that the message was sent, where the message is being sent from, and they'll use that as a, a way to uh, look for uh, abnormal behavior. The problem with those approaches is that none of them look inside at the actual text uh, of the conversation. And this is where language-based attacks occur that use those techniques that I mentioned earlier, deception, impersonation, urgency. And what we do with natural language understanding and natural language processing is we look at um, how the, 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 the why and the how of the conversation. Is the intent of the message to do something like escalate privilege or gain access to information? What are the tactics and techniques that are being used in the conversation? Again, urgency, deception. And by looking at the why and the how of the conversation, and this is where all the magic happens, you know, this, we're using this combination of natural language understanding with machine learning 
um, to analyze the conversation and identify when techniques are being used, which are strong indicators of malicious behavior. And this this particular attack vector, which is you know a huge gap as we dis- as we discussed, is not going away. If anything, with the introduction of Chat GPT, you know, in the past several months, the potential harnessing of that AI technology to reach out to people, impersonating creating personas, creating these en masse type of attacks is ever increasing even now exponentially. Is that the case? Well, absolutely. And so, you know, part of what we do is to create a baseline understanding of how individuals communicate. Um, And by creating a baseline, we can then identify when uh, a a, a user uh, is being impersonated um, or being targeted, right? And by, you know, because we're constantly, we, you know, we're analyzing millions and millions and millions of conversations. So we, uh, our technology, um, you know, is advanced enough so that we can see when David all of a sudden is using a word that he never, ever uses. And well, look, that's a red flag. Maybe that's an indication that this is an individual who's impersonating David. Yeah. And um, by creating a baseline understanding of how people communicate, running the uh, conversations that they're having, regardless of where the conversation is happening, through our analysis engine and leveraging tools like machine learning and artificial intelligence, which is you know what chat GPT is, we can identify when an individual may be uh, being impersonated or if there's uh, you know if it's an inbound message, when they're using techniques which, as I mentioned earlier, might be, strong indicators of an attack and bad behavior. And Christopher, I hope your your system leaves some wiggle room. What if I potentially sign up for a philosophy course, uh, you know, at the master's level, and all of a sudden start using big words to impress <laughs> my, my, my colleagues? Uh, I'm assuming that the, the system, you know, has some, some provisions for that as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of what you know, makes it uh, a technology that can be used in practice. You know, like we, it, it is uh, a very, very smart and nuanced system that's leveraging the kind of latest and greatest uh, uh, techniques in machine learning and artificial intelligence. And, you know, having a high efficacy and high accuracy rate is extremely important. Um, we don't want to contribute to the noise. We want to help, you know, identify the signal from the noise, as, as you mentioned earlier. So tell me, I'm I'm watching this and it's a concern of mine. What does the you know? And I want to give it a try. I want to just run it and potentially even find out you know how can the, uh, um, the company help me? What does the process of implementing um, looks like? You know, what should I expect in the first you know 30 days? Um, you know, does it play well with other systems? You mentioned multi-channel approach and so on. Can you walk me, describe it quickly? What does that look like? Well, so um, one of the great things about Safeguard Cyber is that we're an API-based technology. Um, And what that means is that we are deployed via API to API integrations. Um, So no data feed is required, no agent is required. So uh, the deployment is very, very fast and very, very easy. We can literally be up and running and monitoring communication channels uh, within five minutes. 
Um, so the way we work with the market is to say, um, look, uh, don't take our word for it. Let us prove to you that this is a, a vulnerability, a gap in your security, and give you insight as to where um, you you are at risk. And so we'll work with companies and say our, our recommendation is that you start with three channels. You know, so let, let's start with M365 and Teams and LinkedIn, or you know, M365, Slack, and uh, WhatsApp. And we'll pick these channels and we then uh, deploy it and we run the technology for 30 days. And we, um, at the end of that 30 days, we basically come back and provide what we call uh, uh, to, to, the, to the prospect or customer a risk report. And what that risk report does is uh, help them identify where they have uh, gaps and vulnerabilities in their security. You know, oftentimes, we do find very active uh, attacks in real time, and obviously we'll notify um, the customer of that, that so action can be taken. But um, you know, being a, an API-based technology means it's very, very low friction, um, and uh, you know, it doesn't have any risk of disrupting your existing system. So there's really no downside to the prospect to evaluate the technology and see what kind of insights it's, it can provide. One of the other things, you know, so in terms of the values that we provide, we mentioned unified visibility. We talked a lot about contextual analysis, our ability to understand the context and intent of a communication. Um, but the third thing we do is what we call cross-channel correlation. When you um, are under attack, one of the uh, one of the questions that a security team and an investigation team needs to understand very, very quickly is what's the blast radius associated to this attack? How far reaching is it? And one of the things that's very unique about Safeguard Cyber is our ability to um, identify and understand how far reaching an attack may be. We may detect the attack in WhatsApp. Uh, or we may detect the attack in email, but we then have the ability to understand and identify what other communications may be related to this attack campaign. So, okay, yeah, we detected um, a, a BEC attack in M365, but we can then identify where conversations related to that may have occurred because it's gonna spider out, right? You detected an email, but then we can say, but this communication in Slack or Teams is related to this. It may go all the way back to communications that started off in LinkedIn. Our ability to coordinate, or excuse me, to correlate um, and identify how far reaching the attack has been and across multiple communication channels is a very, very powerful tool for uh, uh, security operation teams and, and investigation teams uh, to understand just how much damage has been done and how far-reaching was the attack. Does that make sense? And Christopher, yeah, absolutely. And Christopher, that's important because the, you know, it's just, people always say, okay, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And the remediation piece is super important. If you can reduce the time to remediation by 30 40 50%, by knowing the the causation, by knowing the as you mentioned the the you know the scope of the attack, 
that has tremendous value to remediation and basically getting back on track and getting the company back in order, uh, the operations back in order. That can be, you know, night and day in terms of how the company recovers, right? Absolutely. I mean, time to response um, is super important. And, you know, I've seen so many instances where security teams are, you know, they're trying to contain the damage. Um, but again, until you understand how far reaching the attack has been, it's really hard to get your hands around around that and contain the damage. Um, so again, our ability to uh, understand the blast radius uh, is super important to uh, assuring organizations that they've got uh, things under control. So Christopher, that next time I'm trying to impersonate uh, somebody and I reach out to you, I know that... Uh that I most likely will get flagged. Um, maybe I should, <laughs> I should give it a try. Yeah, um, yeah. it's, uh, I, I seem to be a very popular impersonation, um, you know, a person. Well, you know, it's interesting. So at our company, obviously, um, you know, in my role, uh, I'm the most spoofed person at Safeguard Cyber, right? And our system detects these attacks and these impersonations. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's a very real issue, uh, you know, and, and I, again, I, I see it at our company and for organizations who aren't monitoring, uh, these alternative communication channels, I, I think, you know, security teams, uh, really need to, um, acknowledge this risk and this gap and vulnerability and they, and they need to take action. I mean, I know a lot of security practitioners are struggling to put the basics in, um, but, you know, I believe strongly that, you know, and it comes back to these trends we identified at the beginning. Humans are the most vulnerable part of your security strategy. The way we communicate has changed and the tactics that attackers are using have evolved um, in such a way that your existing security stack cannot detect them. And uh, the, the, the first step is acknowledging these risks. Um, and I think security, and this is a, a longer conversation, maybe for another day, but I think the security industry um, has things upside down. Um, you know, when 82% of breaches happen as a result of the exploitation of human beings, um, well, the Pareto principle would tell you, you wanna spend the majority of your time, resource, money, et cetera, on uh, the, the parts of your business where you can have the biggest impact. And I see the industry and believe that the industry has it upside down. We spend so much time trying to secure infrastructure and applications when the, the fact of the matter is vulnerabilities in infrastructure and applications represent only 4% of the breaches that occur, right? 4% versus 82% in, in terms of, um, you know, how these, these, these attacks are occurring. And I believe that if you believe in the 80-20 or the, the, the Pareto principle, organizations will be well served to dedicate uh, more of their, of their time trying to secure the human as opposed to trying to secure infrastructure because the human is where the majority of the vulnerability exists. Yeah, maybe the issue, Christopher, is that uh, you know, when you're selling hammers, everything is a nail. So some of the, uh, some of the companies out there the, the solution they have, they have to, you know, they have to provide that. And that's, that's what they're, you know, that's what they're going to market with. So they have to tout the fact that there's vulnerabilities everywhere, including the networks, including the endpoints. And sure. So 
Well, and look, it's not that those things aren't important. They, they obviously are important to be secured. It's a question of just, you know, where can you have the biggest impact, right? And like, what are you going to prioritize and, and how much are you going to spend on securing infrastructure versus securing humans? And I've challenged CIOs and CISOs with this question. And the, um, the response I, I always get is, well, you're right, Chris, but we're not necessarily sure how to secure the human. Like they know how to secure infrastructure. They know how to secure the application. They struggle with what they can do and what's in their control to secure the human. And my contention is that there's a lot that they can do to better secure the human. Um, it's just an awareness issue, right? And, and it starts with, again, the acknowledgement of these, you know, uh, truths and trends and, and the threats that, that that exist in the marketplace. Absolutely, Chris. And I hope uh, the humans are here to stay, uh, that we're not getting displaced by any AI technologies anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> and, uh, until then, um, uh, Chris, what's the easiest way for people to reach out to you to know more, um, just get, you know, get some information about how to move forward with the company and so on? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I would encourage uh, the listeners to visit our website at, uh, you know, safeguardcyber.com. Um, there's tons of great information about what we do and, and how we can help your organization uh, on the website. So I would start there. And, uh, you know, if not um, uh, our website, you can feel free to, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn and uh, uh, certainly happy to start the conversation there as well. Fantastic. Uh, Chris Lehman, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been a real pleasure and I can't wait to, to see where Safeguard Cyber goes next and where you're going to be next and, um, you know, growing the business and uh, bringing it to the next level like you've done so many times before. Uh, thank you again for joining me. For all those who joined, uh, thanks very much. Uh, be stay safe uh, online as well as offline. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, David.